What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Elevate Experience, the podcast about overcoming struggles and adversity and how that relates to addiction, recovery, and health. I am your host and the CEO of Elevate Addiction Services, Angie Manson. And I'm Dallas Terrell, co-host and life intervention counselor at Elevate. Thank you so much for joining us, and let's jump right in. Uh, welcome to the show, everybody. Today we have a very special guest, Nick Wingo. Nick is a firefighter, first responder, and he also has his own podcast called Building Grit, One Call at a Time, which gives a really unique introspective of what it's like on the front lines. Nick and I, um, we and, and Dallas will have this in common too, as people who deal with people who are not well and, and you need to get them well, and sometimes they don't want to get well, there's a lot of struggles that go with that. And I thought Nick would be a perfect guest to our show, and we can delve right into that. So welcome to the show, Nick. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's always an honor to uh, jump on with people and uh, just have a really good conversation. I really enjoy the ability to get on and um, just chat with people about life and, you know, um, just going through what things are and, and how, you know, the different viewpoints of life and the different viewpoints from, from everyone. And so I always really appreciate conversations with different, pe- different people in different places. So I, I'm glad that you brought me on. Awesome. Thank yeah, you. absolutely, man. I'm super excited for this conversation too. And I think jumping right into it, I wanted to hear more about your podcast because just the title, right? Building Grit One Call at a Time. That's enticing. That's catchy. I like that. And uh, and the th- logo's really cool too. Logo's cool too. And I think as Angie and I were creating the idea of this podcast, we we didn't want to. I'll let you answer that question in a second. But we didn't want to just be like a rehab podcast. We wanted to encompass the building grit, the motivation, the struggles, and you know, climbing climbing the mountain. And I think that's exactly what your podcast sounds like too. And I love that. I love that that niche of of building grit and perseverance and pushing through and grinding because we all, to some degree, do it. Sometimes the context is just different. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, one thing I found in life, um, my experience from all the people I've encountered. I mean, I've you know, I was actually just I actually go to a psychologist dog, because I have problems. I have issues that I have to deal with. Um, and one of the things that I found, which is the biggest reason I started my podcast, is that we all think that we're alone. True. We all think that our position is the worst position. We all think that I'm the only one that goes through these things. And so when I started my podcast, the whole idea behind it was just to remind people that they're not alone and that even if they have something horrible that happens to them, that they can still come out and win. They can still come out of that terrible position, that terrible thing, this terrible um, circumstance that they're put in, they can take that and that actually becomes their greatest strength if they choose to use it, if they choose to pivot and if they choose to move forward. It's the people that always just choose to stay stuck, choose to use words that describe them, that hold them back, um, that never really make it past those things. But there is, hope there is there is people that can help you get through those things you know you hear stories constantly of all these people that have these horrible things happen and then they became these super successful people and so my whole goal with my podcast because i see these people are in these terrible situations every day 
it would just it was just to like tell people like you are not alone in your struggles you are not alone in the things you're going through and i guarantee you there are people that are going through the same thing uh maybe something that's even worse so it's just good to know that there's other people doing the same thing and having the same problems you have i love that and the other part about it i i love and this is where we shared the similarity is that it's it's very common to have bad things happen. I mean, especially this year, bad things are happening to everyone. And that's not just a blanket statement. 2020 has been very difficult for so many in so many ways. But it's not just saying, hey, I'm a victim of circumstances, saying, yeah, all this terrible stuff happened. And now we got to put in the work to get out of it. It's not just recognizing the bad stuff, but it's also going to work at digging yourself out of that bad stuff. And that's why I love building grit, because that's what it takes. It, it doesn't just magically happen. There's no magic pill. You have to work at it to get yourself out of that position. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it sucks for all of us. <laughs> absolutely. You know, and um, right now, like, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not at work um as my at my firefighter job i just lost my dad he died um and so i have a lot of stuff that i'm personally working through i have a lot of stuff that i'm still having to grind through every day you know but i'm still i haven't recorded on my podcast in three weeks and i was the most consistent person i haven't got on social media i haven't done any of that stuff right now um, because i'm in this position right now where i really need to work through my personal stuff um, and so I'm still going out and recording on other people's podcasts with my own, even right. I don't like, I'm not doing right now, you know? And so even people who like, if you're listening to this right now and you're thinking to yourself like, Oh, I should do this or I should do that. Uh, even the people who start to do those things, they have stuff that they have to pivot through. And I, like, I'm, I'm doing that right now. Well, I think that's so important. I mean, you've got to take care of you first and foremost so that you can be there for other people. Because if you neglect that when you're going through a grieving process or a hard time and you're just trying to be there for everybody else, it just delays the inevitable and you're going to crash. So I definitely respect you taking the time and going through that process. You and I talked, you know, with my, my dog died this week, and obviously it's not a father, but he was a family member for 15 years. He was with my kids their whole life. And, you know, it's a process. And, um, you know, there's good days, there's bad days. But I actually even pulled myself off 75 hard. <laughs> I was like day 61. And I was like, I just, I can't do this right now. I need to fully just be present with what's happening. And um, it was a conscious choice. It was really hard, but I felt like that's what I had to do for myself. So I totally understand and respect where you're at. Yeah, ironically, not ironically, but me as well, right? Like I've, I've been dealing with a big loss this last week, you know, started this week off Monday at a funeral and you know, big loss as well for like me and, and my side of the family. So I think, you know, it, it, it was meant to come up and it was in the room. And, you know, obviously I'm sorry for your loss too as well, Nick and Angie as well and, and mine too. And I think the moving forward process or the grieving or building the, the grind part looks different for everybody. However, if I was to point out one thing, I think it's that taking the time, taking the, the step back to see what's coming up, see how to pivot, how to move forward and not and not like ignoring what's going on. You know, I think that's kind of the big point is it's hard to know what to do when you don't know what to do. It's hard to get through an experience that maybe we've never been through. So I admire Angie, myself and you for taking the time to not to not run or to not like 
have this like aversion to what's happening because I think that's that's where the growth and the grind and the grit comes from of of pushing through how we feel. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I I recently just learned something about myself and that was what and you just kind of said this same thing is that we always want to do. We have these things that happen and we want to do this. We want to fix this. We want to fix that. We want to take action. Uh, We want to uh, you know, pivot. We want to do all these things. We want to do. The problem is, is we don't want to just be. True. And so sometimes you just have to be. You just have to be present in your moment. You just have to accept the suck. You just have to embrace whatever's going on. You have to just really sit back and go, okay, I am just going to be present right now because that's all that I can do, right? maybe too often it's let me do, 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 right? Because that's what all these people are pushing. It's all these self-development and all this, you know, action and all this stuff. And it's like, yes, that is good. Absolutely. Sometimes you just need to be present. Absolutely. No, I love that. It's it's funny you said that too, because I was thinking like when we were talking about like grit and motivation and, and stuff like that, a lot of times you you think that there's this, not you, but like in general, I especially think there's this life hack or there's this like, you know, here's the rocks morning routine and he gets up at 1.30 in the morning and he starts eight hours before everybody and that's how he's so successful, you know? But it, it seems like to me when people are successful, they are they're being successful. They have like these qualities of moving through what's going on. They have these characteristics it's not actually what they do it's who they are and i love that because it's it's being yourself with whatever is happening and 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 we tend to stray away from that what can we do to distract us from not being ourselves how can we just be right um have you ever heard of the be do have paradigm yeah yeah so it's be do have you got to be first then do, and then you'll have all the things that you want, but you can't have those things without being that person first. So I, I love that that's coming up and I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, and it's so funny because you talked about all these people are out to know like what's the routine or what's yeah, the yeah. thing. Um, it's not your thing. It's not your ro- routine. So what your routine is versus what my routine, like what your routine is, is not going to work for me. Course, right, because yeah. it's not going to align with my mission, vision, values. It's not going to. It's not going to align with my brand. It's not going to align with who I am as an individual. Now, there may be some gems that I can take from you, but for me to go in and copy the exact thing that you do, it's not going to work for me. It's just not because it's not mine. It has to be your own. If you want something to work for you, you have to own it. You have to. You have to own whatever that thing is because that's what makes you do the things is when your thing and you it aligns with who you are consciously and subconsciously it aligns with your mission vision values when you start to really figure out who you are and you create your own routine your own things from all the little gems that you take from all these people that's when success really comes absolutely and i think it's it's knowing when 
to know your, your, your limitations as well. It's like, just cause you take a day off doesn't mean all of a sudden you've given up on all your goals and throw it all away. It's, it's just a bump in the road and this is how we have to pivot. And there's no set way of handling each and every circumstance. We just have to be able to roll with whatever's happening and go through it the best way we can without avoiding, which is what I think we're all talking about now is sort of, you know, going through it head on instead of just pretending like it's not happening. And that's all part of the process that we're all going through right now for sure. Well said. Yeah. No, I love that. I think we're all we're all on the same page with this one. I like that. Yeah. These are these are good conversations to have. I think, um, you know, the struggle is common for everybody. And, and that's what builds the character. That's what builds the grit. You can't have grit by like just being born into a bunch of money and never working and like having this easy ass life that is not difficult to get through. You don't build anything. There's no competition. There's no there's no need to grow or strive or thrive or get better. So I like I like pointing that out. And you said it too, Nick, and kind of your opening statement of, of ensuring that people know they're not alone and that everyone struggles. And it takes kind of this vulnerability to hop on a microphone and say, hey, man, like my life sucked for a super long time. Here's some of the things that got me through it. And Angie as well. You know, I listened to your guys' podcast that you guys did. And Angie's like, yeah, man, I own a rehab, but it's because my life sucked first. <laughs> I have all these good things, you know, because everything was really bad once. And so I guess that leads me into the curiosity of, of how that came up for you and what the correlation between being a firefighter and like this grit, how that like originated for you personally. Um, you know, my, my story is pretty interesting. I, you know, where I am right now, my story is really building. Like my go. story right now is just like the body, the main body of the story is, is building right now. And so, um, you know, I've been a firefighter for 18 years, a medic awesome. for six. Um, I, I, I would say that I have probably ran upwards of 20,000 calls in wow. the past 18 years of my life. Um, and of those 20,000 calls, I probably, I was talking to my, uh, my psychologist the other day and we just guesstimate, I've probably seen, oh, I don't know, a couple thousand deaths. Wow. That's um, crazy. A, a lot of stuff. I have seen a lot of stuff, a lot of uh, stuff that no one person should ever see. I, I've seen a lot of, um, I've held a lot of people's hands that have taken their last breaths. Mm -hmm. um, and so my struggle has been now uh, with my dad recently dying is that my entire life, um, number one, at 18 years old, uh, I was holding dead kids. And so when you're 18 years old and you're holding dead kids, you have to grow up quickly. There is no other option but to become a man. Um, and because you are dealing with real situations, just like a so just like somebody who's in the military goes over and goes to war um, and sees death, it, it's no different for somebody who is a first responder or a police officer. I think that that's where people don't really, the general public doesn't really understand that. They don't really get that. It's not spoken of very often. Um, and so I had to grow up really fast. I had to become someone who could handle. And when you're 18, you don't have the tools to handle something like that. And when I came into the fire service, it was um, just 
don't talk about it. Like, and if you <laughs> think you're not okay, you're like, I mean, not to be like, not to use poor language or whatever, but this is what you would hear is that you're a pussy. Yep. That's just what Man you would up. hear, that you're weak. You are like, if you can't handle, like, this is what you signed up for. This is what happens. So deal with it, you know, deal with it and, and move on. And so uh, not until recently has the fire service really identified the um, the mental health aspect of it within the past seven or eight years is really it's really started to come up and so 18 years so 10 years of stuff it down don't deal with your stuff jam it down as far as you can right and so I had that ingrained in me so here I am I'm 36 years old now so 18 years of this and I'm just now my dad died October 31st this year I have not felt emotion for 18 years of my life until my dad died. And then he died and I felt all of the emotion at one time, all of it. All the things came up, all the stuff I had been shoving down for years and years and years and years, it all came out and it was overwhelming. Um, Because when you have not felt emotion for so long to feel that emotion, that's tough. Grieving is not easy as it is, but to also grieve the loss of a line of duty brother, the uh, a friend who committed suicide, um, you know, another friend that died of brain cancer, uh, another friend that committed suicide. Um, you know, I, I've had an abnormally weird career, abnormal. Another friend that had a freak accident and fell off the back of a skateboard and died. Um, so I have all this stuff that's happened, <laughs> right? All these things that have happened and I've just shoved all that emotion down. I've been like, oh, I'm good. And I just keep on pushing forward. Like I'm the, I'm the self-development King. I'm the guy that's like, I'm up at 5am and I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my gratitudes and I'm sitting in the sauna and you know, like I'm the guy that like, they're like, what's your routine? I'm like, well, you don't need my routine. You need your routine. But like, that's who I am as an individual. And so <laughs> I got to tell you, um, what I'm going through right now has been quite the journey, quite the ride, um, because I've had to figure out how to um, harness that emotion and really pivot and really figure out like what's next for me, what direction am I going to go, am I going to go back to the fire service, what does that look like, you know, um, man, it's been it's been one heck of a journey, like it has been a, a very interesting thing, and so. My struggle comes from all the things that I've dealt with and seen. Wow. <laughs> I, mean, I was just taking all that in and I just imagining what 18 years of trauma hitting you all at once would feel like. I mean, I'm surprised you're even getting out of bed at this point. That's that's heavy. And I, I admire you for going through that because that can't be easy. Um, there's been days. There's been days where I've laid in bed, like legitimately. There's been days where I legitimately... The reason I haven't recorded my podcast for three weeks is because I have not had the um, ability at days, at times, to uh, have the drive to do that. I just haven't. Um, you know, I, I, it's it's a struggle right now. It's something that I'm on a consistent basis. And that's okay. You know, but I'm, it's part of who I am. Yeah. Well, and I'm glad you're giving yourself permission to do so, to finally let that wall come down for your own sake. Because I think, 
you know, bottling up all those emotions, that's what we see, and this is just my personal opinion, can lead to disease and different things that will take you out internally by holding all that stuff inside. So I think it's very healthy for you to be finally able to express and let go of all that stuff for your own well-being as well. Yeah, no, I yeah, really appreciate you. Really <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you saying that, Nick, uh, you know, and being so, so vocal about all of that and you know, I think I could have somewhat guessed there was a lot of trauma from, you know, being a firefighter. And ironically, I've, I've worked with a lot of clients that were firefighters. And this story is very similar of, you know, kind of the culture of being a firefighter and man up and suck it up. And this is how it's supposed to be. And so I really like to hear that the culture and the mental health like is shifting around that. Because to think that it doesn't play a role on, on our firefighters, our first responders, our EMTs, our police officers is, is crazy. You can't, you know, to some degree, we have to process what we're experiencing. And there's no one that's too tough or, you know, like unaffected by these crazy life events. So I like that it's being brought to light where it's like, dude, we might be we might be missing the boat here for some of these things and it's it's super common too with people in uh, drug addiction and treatment like they just stuff but they use drugs and alcohol to stuff the same emotional baggage emotional pain the emotional trauma and you know being able to unlearn that it's okay to talk about it's okay to work through it's okay to lay in bed for a day it's okay to be vulnerable it's okay to be vulnerable yeah like unlearning all the the bs we were taught to not talk to stuff it to put it down be a man sack up unlearning that as ugly as it is is so beautiful you know it's so beautiful to actually be like no dude like i'm gonna do this differently and let's talk about this let's bring it up and let's work through it because we're humans, you know, and we're just we're trying to be with that. So kudos to you, man, for for recognizing you know, that. It's, it's super interesting. Uh, something come up for me recently that I, I'm, I'm kind of um, I, I really want to research more into the um, kind of what's going on is that the um, for whatever reason, the part of your brain that um, PTSD, depression, um, anxiety, it's the same areas that um, addiction, um, you know, all these things, alcoholism, like all that stuff, it, it's triggered by the same type of things. Um, and so the treatments that they use are the same treatments, like the NAD plus, um, it's a really, really popular treatment right now. And it, they use it for alcoholism, opioid addiction, PTSD, depression, um, you know, the ketamine clinics, that's another one that they do, the same type of thing. So they are using those things to trigger um, that same area of the brain. It's super intriguing to me because it's like um, people who have depression and PTSD, they're really not that much different than somebody who has um, addiction problems, opioid addiction, yeah. alcoholism. They're, they're going through the same type of things, which is super intriguing. Super interesting, I think. The, the, what that makes me real think of is, so we do outcome studies with our clients and they meet weekly and they answer some questions and 99.9% .9 of the clients that come in besides their addiction also suffer from anxiety and depression and all the things that go along with that. 
And as you watch them progress through the program, and our program isn't handling uh, dual diagnosis, we're specifically handling their addiction. However, handling their addiction handles all the depression and anxiety. So you see those levels naturally decrease, like they leave happy, well-adjusted, their depression anxiety is completely handled even though that wasn't what we were trying to handle we were handling their addiction but because of it being probably what you were saying in the exact same place it handled in the exact same way so we're also treating more or less those same things and getting great results by handling their addiction absolutely and their addiction probably often is triggered because of depression anxiety like I, I mean, honestly, the people that I run into in the field that are, you know, are addicted to drugs, it's because of some type of depression or some circumstance that's really made them feel like their world is caving in around them. That's the outward appearance. Yeah. You know, no, is that's how those people get into those positions. Yeah, that's absolutely kind of the the through line. Like if there was something common in almost all of it is this this hopelessness or this kind of lost sense of I don't know what to do and these things are the only things that are working for me right now and yeah there's the connection it's hard to maybe pinpoint exactly what it is but it's there you know it's absolutely there you see patterns you work with people that have addiction and substance abuse problems and mental health issues and depression and anxiety there's so much in common you know, I think generally I do one-on-one -on -one counseling, so I'm oftentimes just sitting alone with these clients and really just hashing out life. And I always think it's funny that 99% of the time we're not talking about drugs. Like the drugs don't come up. The drugs are the solution. I don't care what we were doing to fix whatever it was. I want to care. I want to talk about what made the drugs need to be there. And that is pretty generally the same for a lot of us. You know, generally we all go through a lot of the same problems in life. We all lose people. We all struggle to figure out who we are. We all get lost along the road. Yeah, there's trauma, stuff that happens to us that, you know, was unfair or unjust or just wrong. For sure. So it always cracks me up, like, to think that it's all so similar, but also different at the same damn time. <laughs> It's like, where do we yeah. start, you know? It's the, people, <laughs> it's the people that choose to harness that um, in the opposite direction that become badasses. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and a lot of people who are, who are uh, you know, drug addicts or were alcoholics, those are the ones that are legit like fire, you know, because they have that passion, they have that, right? And they know what the opposite end looks like. And then so when they get to the, complete opposite of where they were, man, they just become this um, just amazing people to follow. And, you know, I know some people that came from some really deep places, some deep, dark areas in their life. I mean, but Zachary Babcock, that's one, man, that guy was in prison and now he's got a podcast where he's killing it. Like that dude is killing it, right? Because he chose to really pivot through um, and just become a badass. And so it's, you know, it just goes to show it's all about how you choose to pivot through it, right? And you have to make a conscious decision. You have to get conscious mind and unconscious mind aligned, number one. I'm learning that quickly um, because <laughs> your unconscious mind will take over every time, no matter what. What you want unconsciously, is, it's, it's going to come. It's going to come no matter what. It's, it's just going to happen. Whatever you are unconsciously seeking, it's, it's coming. 
Um, so if you can get consciously and unconsciously aligned with your mind, man, you like, you can't be stopped. You just can't. There is nothing that is going to stop you, literally. Because guess what? You're going to learn how to pivot through it. You're going to get and make the decisions to get you where you want to be. Uh, and you're going to maneuver through no matter what. And you're not going to quit. Yep. And that's, uh, we, we often talk about, and we kind of laugh, like the life of a drug addict. There's so much hustle that you have to do <laughs> to be a good drug addict that it translates very well after you get sober because you already know how to do the work or a lot of work or how much action you got to do to get your product. So I think that helps with the translation of drug addict to successful sober person as well because there's already that hustle. Yeah, you know how to work hard. You're just yeah. focusing your energy kind of in a negative fashion. You know how to grind and grit and persevere. You're just doing it in a very like a uh, garbage way. Yeah, confront difficult situations. <laughs> yeah, like dude, it takes a lot of like grit to like formulate a plan to go rob Walgreens. You know, like you got to think about that. There's a lot of things to cover there. <laughs> or how you're gonna get your next high, or how you're gonna get fed, or where you're gonna stay. Like all that, man all that and then being aware of who's out to get you or the cops or your friends who's this that there is a lot that goes into being a good drug addict yeah. there's a lot a lot of and factors then, yeah but you take all that and harness it for good you're doing a lot of good <laughs> absolutely 100 percent Nick, I'm going to kind of pivot because I, I find this extremely interesting and this is something that we've talked about and you and I have talked about but um, with the life of a firefighter, you're often on the front lines of trying to save people and how difficult that can be when they don't want to be saved. And, you know, you've brought people back from life who are literally angry at you for ruining their high and how you contend with that and not lose compassion for the people that you're trying to help that are pushing away your help. I mean, that's got to weigh on what you deal with as well. Uh <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, there's two calls in specific that I can look look back on um, and really think about this this thing and like this topic of discussion in specific. So, one time I give this individual some Narcan, I bring them out of their high, and then they proceeded to tell me that I was a child molester and that I was all these things and were using all this negative talk to me, and I literally had to harness everything within me to just sit there uh, and take it in. And just what I do is I, number one, put myself in the position of that person. Um, because if I was in the position that person was in and I was laying on the ground unconscious and the next thing I do is wake up to some large man over me who has started an IV on me and done all these things and has me tied down I may be concerned as well, right? Like I may be like, what in the world is going on? Like you have to remember that maybe that person has been, um, maybe that person has been raped or maybe they've had some tragic thing where they were held down, you know? So I, I don't really know where they come from or what their story is. So I can't judge them. Um, I can't judge them based off from their current crisis situation. Right, because who anybody who is in a crisis, their reaction is not probably really how they feel. It's just them in a crisis, right? Like that's, that's just where they are. They're, you know what I mean? So I can't judge them based off their crisis because 
they're pro- that person was probably a good person at some point. They made a bad decision. They made a bad decision. Um, you know, my job is to help people get through that, right? Uh, judgment free, because it's I, I'm not I'm not judging you. It's you know, whatever put you or whatever, however you got to where you are is none of my business. And honestly, um, I really don't care. I, I don't care. I don't care where you were. All that I care about my job at that point is to make sure that I you don't die, and that I take you to the hospital and get you the help you need. That's my job. You know what I mean? So all the other stuff, it doesn't matter. Like it's not for me to judge you. It's not for me to whatever. And I can't, like I can't, I can't get, uh, I don't know though. Let's see, this is where I'm having to learn is, but I can't get personally, um, you know, I can't have emotion tied to that because then if I get emotionally tied into that call, man, that's where it becomes really difficult. Like the ones that I get emotionally attached to, those are the ones that are the most difficult to um, maneuver through. Because if there's some type of emotion tied to it, for example, a kid, if I have, you know, and, and now I think about my kids and then there's an emotion tied to it that it's really hard to put it through. Um, so I really try to separate the emotion from those people and just accept them for where they are. That's all you can do really. Because if you get caught up in where they are, that's a slippery slope. Well, and that's hard. I mean, that's a consistent uh, checking of yourself because you're you're literally trying to help somebody and save somebody's life. And we deal with it on our side, but in a much milder manner. But it's still, you know, we, we dedicate our lives to helping people. And when they're yelling at you and making you feel like you're a, a terrible person for trying to help them, it can be a little hard. It can, for myself, and I've gone back and forth on this, get a little jaded. It's like now nobody wants my help and what's the point and why am I doing this? Back to wanting to, you know, understand where they're at and see where they are and rationally you know what you said totally makes sense but uh, you know sometimes there can definitely spark some emotion where it can be hard to keep holding compassion for people who aren't accepting of it for sure yeah it's yeah I love I love that situation you know I think I think Angie and I can obviously relate to those types of situations of you know it, how hard is it to help somebody that doesn't want help that's like one of the hardest things to do we have this goal of helping someone and they have this other goal of not being helped, you know, and it's like, who gives up first? Who's going to cave, you know, and, and that looks different every single time. So I think, you know, hearing what you said too, as well of, you have to know when to table the emotions. Sometimes it's needed. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes there's no place for an emotion, like a crisis situation. It's just, you know, I'm familiar with being in a crisis. I'm familiar with helping. Let Nick, I'm talking about as if I was Nick, let Nick guide the ship. Let me take control. We'll get you to the hospital. It's going to be fine. And then sometimes it's, it is emotional and it does hurt us, right? Like when our emotions are tied into it, then we're more affected. And less effective. And, and less effective sometimes too. Very, very well said. Let's, let's be honest. Like there has been times where I have let my emotions get the best of me. Me as well. Right. And those are the times that I do not do well. Those are the calls <laughs> that do not go good. Like, hence, this is why I'm not at work right now. Because yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. trying to figure out, like, how do I control those emotions? How do I, you know, how do I handle those things? How do I handle all that stuff that, um, 
So I don't know, maybe I've been doing it wrong. That's what <laughs> I have done, right? Like that's what I've done. That's all, I, that's all I've known. That's all I've known to do. For sure. I think that's, that's super important. And I think I can, I feel like the relating point to me is as a counselor too, when I get too emotional or if I get offended or I get judgmental, it's, it far often has way more to do with me than it does to them. So I just try to, I try to be aware of how I'm feeling during these situations. I try not to, I try to not table how I feel. Like I could be listening to somebody and, and listening to what they're going through and how they're doing. And I use the empathy piece like you were saying. How did they get here? It's okay that they're here. I could see why this makes sense to them. And if I could be empathetic to the situation, I'm far more effective. And if I can be aware of how I feel about what they're saying, I can be far more effective. But when I stuff it, then I kind of just seem like, I don't know. It's this weird thing where when I stuff how I feel about what they're saying, I'm less genuine. I'm less authentic. And I bet with our fields, there's pros and cons to both of those. You know, there's a time and a place for sure. You know, the crisis situations happen up at our center all the time, you know, with, you know, whether it's seizures or, you know, mental breaks, you know, snapping out of reality, hallucinations. There's a bunch of stuff that happens, too. And there's a certain point where I can't talk to somebody. And at that point, I need to just kind of be like, an EMT or a paramedic. I just need to do the right thing for their safety or for their health. And so I guess what I'm saying in the long run is I don't know what I'm doing, but I relate to you a lot, Nick. (laughs) 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 I guess that's what I'm really trying to say, bro. (laughs) It's all good. I mean, I think that's what it's all about, right? Is it's just like realizing you're not always right. Um, There's always going to be things you're going to have to maneuver through. There's always going to be difficulties no one person has the right answer for everything. It's just, that's the way life is. And that's what makes life so great. Right. Um, you know, even if I don't go back to work as a firefighter, um, you know, even if I do go back to work as a firefighter, whatever happens, I'm just going to embrace whatever that is. You know, right now I am in this twilight zone of, I have no idea what's going on with me. I have no idea how to, pivot or maneuver through. And, but you know, what? that's, that's okay. I'm just, I'm learning how to accept myself as a person. Um, and that's, you know, for so many years with the stuffing, that's a difficult thing to do. It's a difficult thing to do. Yeah. Well, I think the other thing is, and like, like yourself and us, we're all dealing with people and human emotions. It's not like we're software engineers and we just go and we, you know, <laughs> con- confront a computer screen for eight hours a day, plugging in numbers and leave. Like we're dealing with, uh, so many things that you can't prepare for or you you handle the best way you can and then you find out maybe that wasn't the best way so there's just so much emotion attached to what we deal with because humans aren't the same they're not like computers they don't all you press seven the seven appears and there's here's how you handle it every situation is different and you've got to like constantly be on your game of doing what you think is the right thing and then living with the consequences later finding out maybe that wasn't the right thing or you know whatever it is so yeah human emotions are messy and that's that's why this is such a hard business for you and and us and I totally get why you're like debating whether do I want to go back into that or not yeah it's a difficult it's a difficult position to be in you know it's um and it's so interesting because like one of the reasons I'm not at work right now is because I'm not sharp right now 
Uh, and so I was, I am, I'm a person who is usually very, very sharp. And one of the things that's happened to me with all this emotion and stuff I've brought up to the surface is it's taken away my sharpness. Yeah. Um, and I get foggy and I have all these things. And so like I, in my right mind, I can't go back to work right now um, because I need to be sharp in making decisions. And I can barely drive down the street without passing by an exit and going, oh, I was supposed to exit there. You know, <laughs> and then that's not driving emergently to an emergency. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's part of the reason I'm not at work. Yeah, and that makes sense, you know. I think uh, a, a really beautiful part of all all of this too is there is that other side of the coin of, you know, maybe how many lives have been saved or how many beautiful moments have come from Nick being there for a child or a person or something like that and Angie being there for whoever struggling, you know, 26 years of sobriety. I I know I put my life savings on it. She's helped at least 100 people not die minimally, like just without even having to like no no back off. That is 100% a fact. Um and, and me as well. There's so much beauty that's come from us putting our asses on the line to do a very difficult job. And I think that should be mentioned as well because maybe that's what kept us coming back is, yes, we've lost some, but we've saved a lot too. And there's been a lot of beauty in being there for other people and helping other people. At least that's my experience. For sure, that's the that's the driving purpose. It's like it's the risk to reward ratio. It's like, we're doing all this hard stuff, but look at the reward. You're literally saving lives. Like. There's going to be a price to pay for that. Yeah, there is for sure. You know, they say that for every—I think it's—they say what for every ten neg- for every one positive, you get that ten, the ten negatives, right? You have to have ten positives to outweigh that one negative. Excuse me. Wow. Right. So you got to have ten positive things to outweigh that one negative thing because the negativity it, it becomes so strong. So that's one of the biggest problems I've had throughout my career is that. Um, my ratios are way messed up because my positives are way low and my negatives are real high, right? So I have like this difficulty of maneuvering through that because all I can think about is that one negative because I have to have 10 positive things happen to get rid of that one negative thing. And so you go, you know, that's just, my ratios are jacked. Yeah. And I, you know, that's that's where you have to really change your mindset of how, how you think about it. Um, how do you do that? I don't know because I'm I'm still I'm still maneuvering through it. I'm still one to one it day out. at a time, no, I think I we do that. <laughs> yeah, your uh, ratios sound a lot like my golf game. <laughs> There's a lot more negative than positive when I'm playing golf, and I keep golfing. I don't know why, but it, yeah, there's been a few broken yeah, clubs. Yeah. I've heard the stories. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the truth. It's the truth for sure. Well, one thing I know when you and I were talking and, and possibly this is, you know, the future that you're, you might, might end up on is you have a really high interest in health and nutrition um, and, and helping others with that avenue. Uh, yeah. So right, right now um, I am, my, my side hustle is a company called Hydromed. Nice. Uh, we do, we do IVs. We in, uh, do mobile home, in-home IV therapy. We do NAD plus. Um, so we do some pretty cool stuff uh, right now. That's just kind of what I'm doing on the side, you know, uh, here and there. And um, that could transition into my main thing at some point. I, I don't really know it this at this time or that what that looks like or uh, what it's going to be. 
um, you know, I was, I was, uh, at one point I was, uh, fitness coaching and I, I've kind of stepped away from that. Um, just because for me right now in my current position, uh, I'm not in a position to really be coaching anybody. Uh, sure. Not until I really maneuver through my own stuff and, and really work through the, the stuff I have going on. Um, but the, the IV thing is it's, it's awesome. It's super cool. It's, it's a great thing. You know, it's, um, the what like you know we we've seen a ton of COVID patients and you give them these IV treatments and within 24 hours they're they're better. Wow. Um, you know the we've NAD. seen a lot of people that get yeah well and then the NAD that's the other one that's just been really amazing like to see um, to see the the NAD and see it um, really cure people of depression um, of alcoholism of you know uh, like a benzo addiction the benzodiazepines like the Ativans and those to see the NAD plus take those addictions away from people is it's crazy cool. It's really cool. It's amazing. I've wanted to put that into our program for a long time, but insurance doesn't recognize that as, you know, a valuable, a valuable treatment source and it's not cheap. So um, it's been difficult financially to try to implement that, but I've seen amazing benefits from that and what you're doing. It's it is crazy. Like I, I can't remember, but there was a study that was done. I can't remember the, the name of the study in specific, but like 90, 92% success rate in curing opioid addiction with NAD plus with a two week thousand milligram a day um, treatment. Yeah. Like 92%. Wow. That's which is crazy. Insane numbers. So maybe just insane for the audience, numbers. what exactly is the NAD plus? So, NAD plus, basically when we are born, we are born with a certain amount of NAD plus. Um, we have, um, they, they consider it to be the youthful drug. And the easiest way to describe it um, is that in the cell, so we are, our bodies are made of cells everywhere, right? Um, and so for, for nutrients to cross the cell membrane, you have the sodium potassium pump. Right. Um, and the sodium and potassium, they switch places and that's how um, things cross the, the cell membrane wall, the, the wall of the cell membrane, right? Well, the NAD plus is the helper cell. It's what helps that transition happen. Um, and so when you have a higher amount of NAD, the nutrients are able to cross a cell wall easier. The NAD helps them. Um, and so it really um, provides the brain, um, all the cells, the, the nutrients that they need, uh, and it, it allows them to, to really heal. Um, and so it, it helps with depression. Um, it helps with inflammation. Um, you know, people with like arthritis and that type of stuff. It, it starts to take that type of stuff away. Gout, um, wow. autoimmune disorders, PTSD. Um, you know, severe anxiety and depression. Uh, like we talked about, the opioid addiction, alcoholism at really high dosing. Um, it takes away that stuff. It just really rewires your, the way that your brain works. It's super intriguing, really, really amazing stuff. So, yeah, I was at a, a health retreat a couple of years ago and several of the people were doing there. Is this the one where it's a very slow drip? So it takes a, quite yes. a, like three hours of, of treatment. So the, uh, the average um, NAD plus treatment is 250 milligrams. Um, and that will take the, uh, somebody on, on general about an hour um, to an hour and a half. Somebody who's like uh, 500 milligrams could be two hours. Damn. Uh, a, a thousand milligram drip could take, 
you know, five or six hours. Um, it's intense stuff. Like it makes people need to use the restroom, vomit. Oh, wow. Like yeah. dizziness. Um, like uh, it makes you feel like you're having an anxiety attack. It's, it's super crazy. It's interesting stuff, but the way you feel afterward, I mean, it's crazy to me that you can give somebody something that makes them feel terrible while they're getting it. And then when it's done, it has these amazing results. It's pretty interesting and crazy. And it's just that NAD is forcing itself into the cell and that's what's causing that. The aversion, the body's feeling. aversion. Yes. Yeah. Oh, the body's like, what in the world is going on? Yeah, well, stop forcing, forcing this, me to feel better. <laughs> yes, it's forcing this, this, this nutrient into my cells and that is causing all these um, negative reactions. But then once you're done, ooh. like I can tell you, um, I leaned into drinking real hard um, from from my stuff to kind of mask some of my problems. I started using NAD plus and um, if I use it consistently, no desire to drink whatsoever. Wow. Like completely takes the urge away, like zero urge whatsoever to drink. I mean, I went to, I'm a drinker and I went to Mexico to an all-inclusive resort and I did not drink the entire time I was there. That's um, that one hell of a home. testimony. <laughs> yeah. And that was off from a 500 milligram treatment of, of NAD. I mean, the stuff is, it's, it's nuts. It's pretty crazy. I don't think it's that dissimilar to, you know, even going through treatment, like emotionally, that's the physical side, but there's all kinds of stuff that comes up that's very hard to deal with. But if you deal with it, you feel really good at the end of it. <laughs> and I think that's why people avoid treatment, both physically and emotionally, because you've got to walk through that wall of fire to get to the other side and feel good. And a lot of people just aren't at that place where they can do that emotionally or physically or want to do that or don't see the benefit of doing that. And so that's what that reminded me of uh, on the physical side, but also with treatment on the emotional and mental side too. Yeah, there's a lot of really cool stuff kind of starting to surface um, in the industry to take care of some of these things. Like there are some really, really cool things that are really starting to pop up that I, you know, I'm excited about to see where it goes and, and what happens with, with all this stuff. I mean, the other one that's really crazy that's really up and coming is the ketamine. Those ketamine, they're doing using the ketamine treatments and those are helping people immensely, which I is mind blowing to me because they a lot of people use ketamine as a as like a drug where they get high on. Yeah. And they're absolutely. actually using that, they actually are using that in low dosing to cure people. And it's like, wow, it's super crazy that they've figured out really? No, yeah, I, I, I haven't heard of that as a treatment. Yeah, it's uh yeah, yeah they have IV ketamine. They definitely have a lot recently too of you know, using ecstasy and MDM, MDMA and microdosing. microdosing mushrooms and, you know, a lot of those like psychedelic treatments on just very low doses. And, you know, I think my my reaction to that is dude, there's a time and a place for everything. You know, there's yeah, a time and a absolutely. place for methadone. There's a time and a place for Suboxone. And, you know, if that's helping people, dude, I right on. I would, I'm, yeah. I'm, I have an aversion to using drugs to get off drugs or to help with drugs, but I'm not a doctor. I don't have all the answers. So I'm very open-minded to the idea that this stuff helps or that this stuff can help. Um, so it's cool. It's been cool to look into and research and talk to people that maybe have the experience doing it. You know, I've, I've definitely seen it go poorly, but I've also seen it go well. And that kind of goes back to life, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, there's just yeah, no nuance. one size fits all, you know, yeah. they don't, everybody responds Absolutely. to things differently. So, 
and everything, you know, there's different things meant for different people, you know, like it's, it's just really, it's really individual, you know, it's just like medications. There's certain medications that people just do not respond well to. Yeah. Right? You just, you have to pivot to a different medication. Um, and so, you know, whatever works for you, you got to figure out what works for you. That's yeah. Yeah. We what, literally yeah. just had a girl up at the center this weekend. She came in and she'd been in the hospital the night before for acute detox symptoms. And when she got to us, she was writhing on the floor. It, it, what was explained to me is it looked like she needed an exorcism, like what was coming out of her mouth and what she was saying and what was happening. And part of us are like, okay, are you drug seeking? Like what's happening here? And so, you know, we end up taking her to the hospital and it was exactly that. It was just a reaction to a drug that she was given in the hospital, but because she's a drug addict, you know, we're not sure what the real angle is of what we're seeing and we don't know this person. And that's all it was. It was an adverse reaction to a drug that she had been given to help her with detox. Wow. Super crazy. Oh, you missed that. that I, yeah, I was off this weekend. That was Sunday. So. <laughs> <laughs> you missed that one. <laughs> Damn. Take two days off and yeah. miss all the cool stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, uh, man. All right, Nick. So is there anything else you, uh, you want to tell our listeners or, um, you know, we can, we can talk about anything else we can help you with today? Uh, you know, the biggest thing that, you know, I, I always say is, um, you know, I have built myself around my building grit, uh, and that's through gratitude, resilience, intuition, and tenacity. And so if you're listening, the big thing that I would say is just remind yourself who you are, um, what you want, where you're going, and, and what direction you're going to head. Uh, and just remind yourself that you're worthy, uh, that you're loved, that there is hope, there is a way out of the things that you have going on you can get through whatever the thing is that you think you can't get through right now in your moment. I promise you, you can do it. Um, and if you guys want to jump on and, and check out my podcast, uh, I'm on Apple, Spotify, uh, all the major platforms. It's just uh, building grit one call at a time. And then you can follow me on Instagram and it's building underscore grit. I really appreciate you guys having me on. I really enjoyed the conversation and I look forward to seeing where you guys go with this and uh, following you through your, through your journeys. Yeah, well, and the timing is great because, you know, we're hitting the holiday season and I think a lot of people are struggling right now. So I think your message and this podcast is going to help a lot of people because even though you have this, you know, great career and, and you help people, just seeing you struggle and admitting you're struggling, I think will resonate with a lot of people who might not be or aren't at a place where they're willing to admit that or be vulnerable and hopefully this pushes them to want to get some help and reach out or call a friend or uh, you know do something about it like you don't have to suffer alone in silence yeah absolutely I love that Nick it was great talking to you man um, I wish we were in person but hey it's 2020 you know we don't really roll like that I guess so uh, I just want to thank you for your time and the conversation was great, man. I had a I had a great time. I'm actually sad it's ending. I can feel this like aversion to getting off the microphone inside me, and uh, I look forward to following you too and your podcast. And I'm gonna keep building grit one Zoom call at a time. All right, I love one it. Podcast at one a time. podcast at a time. <laughs> yes, yeah, man. <laughs> All right, thank you. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. See you, Nick. All right, guys, that's our show for today. We hope you found some value from listening. And if you did, please share with someone you know or love. You can find us on social media. We are at 
Elevate Addiction Services. And if you or a loved one are struggling with addiction, please call our toll-free, confidential 24-hour helpline at 833-33-SOBER or visit our website at elevaterehab.org.